Uh, I asked Steve to read the 23rd Psalm because I think it, it complements or at least sets a foundation for the understanding that Jesus would say, I am the good shepherd. I read for you or at least quoted some of David saying that last week because he said his shepherd, basically, the Lord is my shepherd how powerful of a shepherd he was trying to paint for his readers. And in this modern time in which we live, and I alluded to what we watch on TV, I know you often see that uh, ranchers opposed to sheep herders or there's opposition there. Uh, and here in Texas, you probably know more ranchers than you do, do perhaps shepherds. But it was such a prominent theme in Jesus's day, and of course from the Old Testament forward. Um, need I remind you that Moses shepherded his father-in-law's sheep for some... For, who said that? No, you, you're a preacher. You, nope, he don't count. Dude, heard it on TV this morning. All right, very good. Yeah. yeah. And, and David, his he was the one who had killed or... He, I love when he is talking to Saul. He's talking about going up against Goliath. Man, I, if there's a bear, I got him. If there was a lion, I took him down. He, he has been a shepherd as a child and knew the risk of guarding sheep. But when Jesus identifies with the good shepherd, and in the Old Testament, God is revealed many times as the, the shepherd, and we are his sheep. When Jesus says, I am the good shepherd, he is connecting who he is and what his mission is going to be. But as I said, I think in our modern times, we often don't know. And I wanted, you know, I love videos. And sometimes I think images communicate better. I just want you guys, I think I have it set how much to play. There's like a two-minute clip of a modern-day uh, shepherd. And that's what church members say every week after the sermon. Bad. Bad. That's right. Girls, stop. So the shepherd feeds the sheep. Brings healing to the sheep. I have been around lambing. They do grab them by the head. <laughs> I know, sir. But he's gentle. I worked on cattle ranches when I was a teenager. You bring it up just a hair. Then in my early twenties, I had this friend Brian who was a he was a super fundamentalist, and we were working on this ranch, and he was always alluding to how shepherds and herdsmen really were were the oldest profession in the world. 
it's just the lineage, you know, evolutionarily or culturally or religiously, people have been doing this for, what, 8,000 to 10,000 years? If there's a God who created the world, I don't want to sit down and have coffee with him, because I would be terrified. But what I love so much about being a shepherd and being Catholic is the imagery of Christ the shepherd, who is the intermediary between the divine and we, the sheep, the mortals. You know, that's accessible. I love it. the constant all day 24 hours a day it's like is the guard dog staying where he's supposed to be or the coyote staying out it's a world you manipulate but you don't control but that's not your job i mean my job is to just be in love with it and if you take a day off your brain is stuck here in the lambing barn and if you go on a date your brain is stuck here in the lambing barn the sheep are judgmental and they hate you sometimes, or you give them what they want and you're their favorite for a while. I assume it's like having children, but these children never grow up, ever. I thought that was an interesting line. I do some things they, they hate me for, I do some things they love me for at least for a while. Uh, good imagery there. Um, and as I alluded to last week, I think many times, uh, and I've been guilty, I'm sure, in sermons of uh, beating up on the stupidity or the lack of intelligence of sheep. But the text does not talk about the wisdom of the sheep. It talks about the love of the shepherd. And that's what we need to focus on today. So look with me, please, at John, the 10th chapter. We'll pick up with verse 11. I am the good shepherd. There's a sermon in and of itself right there. You could pause. That is the fourth of the ego I me statements where he is saying, I am, connecting as God told Moses, I am is who sends you. He said, I am the bread of life. I am the light of the world. Last week he said, I am the gate. And today he says, I am the good shepherd. You could also pause for a second and say the word good. It can be translated true, right, honorable. And when you think of it of true, he talks about being the true vine, the true way. Many other ways to connect that he is saying, I am the only shepherd, if you will. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Now he's comparing and contrasting himself to a hired hand. The hired hand is not the shepherd who owns the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. Then the wolf attacks the fold and scatters it. The man runs away because he's a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. He repeats himself, I am the good shepherd. Verse 14, I know my sheep and my sheep know me. Just as the father knows me, I know the father and I lay down my life for the sheep. That's the second time he said that in these verses. He said it earlier in verse 11. I have other sheep that are not of this sheep pen. I must bring them also. This has been the motto of many missionaries over the years. This is most commentators' interpretation. This is Jesus 
giving foreshadowing that he has come not only for the Jew, but for the Gentile. He is expanding who the good news comes to. They too listen to my voice, and there shall be one flock and one shepherd. The reason my father loves me is that I lay down my life, there it is a third time, only to take it up again. No one takes it from me. They've tried to kill him at this point in chapter 10 at least two other times. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down, there it is again, and authority to take it up again. This command I received from my father. I'll include these last verses because I think it's important to see how Jesus, despite the miraculous sign he had, multiple signs he's done, this is all piggybacking on when he healed a man who'd been born blind and they just could not, they being the religious leaders of the day, could not fathom that he would be the Christ or he would be the Messiah and that what he would be doing is from God. They thought he was demon-possessed. So the argument begins in verse 19. At these words, the Jews were again divided. Many of them said, he is demon-possessed and raving mad. Why listen to him? C.S. Lewis said that one time about this very passage. I mean, either he is God's son or he's a raving lunatic. I hope you all are here saying he's God's son. Why listen to him? But others said, these are not the sayings of a, mad, a man possessed by a demon. Can a demon open the eyes of the blind? Would you pray with me? Lord, as we look at this passage that many of us have been familiar with over the years, we've been in Sunday school classes, we've seen the pictures of Jesus holding a lamb, and someone's told us that he's a good shepherd. But Lord, in a day and age where we buy our meat at the grocery store and seldom anyone here, unless they're part of the O'Connor Ag program, have ever raised a, an animal. We don't relate as well as we once could as we have evolved, if you will, Lord, in what we do with our lives. But remind us of what Jesus is saying and how true it still is today. He is the one who will protect. He is the one who will feed. He is the one who will direct. He is the one who will bring us out and take us in. He is the one who will offer his life for those who would believe in him, that they might have a relationship with the Father restored because of his sacrifice. Thank you for these words today, and we pray all this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Our first point this morning as you look at this is a, a shepherd's sacrifice. On this communion Sunday, we will soon celebrate the sacrifice that he foreshadowed in these verses. I don't know that the disciples or anyone who were listening to him that day understood that he was going to freely become an offering of our sin, be a sin offering for us, but we read it now with the hindsight of history. Jesus, the good shepherd who lays down his life, predicts it as I tried to highlight as I was reading it at least four times. He stated it, I lay down my life. 
And this was not common behavior for a shepherd. After all, sheep were a commodity. Sheep were for milk, for, for wool, for, for meat, and for sacrifices. The idea that the shepherd would die for his sheep reflects a level of devotion and caring that was extraordinary. And when Jesus compares himself to a hired hand, we very quickly understand that if a bear showed up and you were the only thing between the bear and the sheep, you probably would save yourself. The hired hand doesn't care about the sheep. One, as Jesus says, he doesn't own them. And the first sign of trouble, he runs away unless the sheep be scattered or killed. Jesus says, I am the good shepherd who cares for the sheep and I won't run away from the sheep when trouble comes. He willingly intervenes and defends us even to the point of offering his life to save us. He will not forsake us. He's not a hired hand. Remember last week that I said, as he talked about himself being the gate, I drew a comparison, I think, to chapter, I think it's five. Bear with me. Yeah, chapter five, when he has healed the man who was lame for 38 years. They were gathered at the sheep's gate. And I think Jesus calling himself the gate and now calling himself the good shepherd, is signaling his sacrificial mission. He knew that he came to die for you and me. He will take our punishment, take upon him our sin, and die for us. Yet many times, we are like Barak. Let me show you Barak. Uh, that's Barak, both on the left and the right, and it's made a, a TikTok, uh, a, you call that viral, whatever, it was big on TikTok. I'm not a TikToker, but I did see it on the news uh, about, I think, two years ago. An Australian sheep that had wandered off from its master, and uh, they finally found it and shaved off 78 pounds of wool. And you say, oh man, that's really good. No, he was malnourished. He had infections in his eyes because the wool had grown so much around the eyes, he got grass seed in his eyes. Um, and actually, even though he looks pretty healthy on the left and look, doesn't look too bad on the right, he was uh, near death. Jesus tells us that we are to be part of the one flock with one shepherd. Yet many of us often flee away from the shepherd or drop out from the flock. Kind of like Barak. With one and only one true shepherd, why would you ever want to leave? There's only one that is the good shepherd. And in all this reading I did about sheep in the past two weeks, I actually found a video, and I'm not going to play it for you because I like videos, but you know, eventually I could just, oh, let me just give a 30-minute video sermon, and that you say, go home. You know, oh, you stay at home. And we, uh, yeah. No. Um, but 
and some of you have heard me say this. When I was in England, uh, I went to a, a sheep farm, if you will, and they were in the midst of lambing. And uh, I actually took one in to worship, you know, because we were having these first character sermons. So I'm dressed in a robe, but I'm carrying a lamb. And I was called Sam the Simple Shepherd. <laughs> Got the simple part real well. Um, and I learned a little bit about lambing there, but not, not much. But the thing I learned this week in reading is that when a lamb uh, or when a sheep, a female sheep is pregnant, depending on how far along she is, if she falls and flips over to her back, you know, kind of does the, the bug thing, you know, and I was going to do, I thought, you should do that, Clint. I, I would never get up if I did. But she, and that's her problem. If a, if a pregnant sheep that far along in her pregnancy, falls on her back. And those of you women who have been pregnant and felt like, you know, it's two or three days before the delivery, and if you fell, you'd never get up, the, the sheep will actually die. The baby and the mother will die unless someone comes and helps it get to its feet and sets it back up. And the little video I was watching was a BBC commercial. If you're out and about and see a lamb down, please go help it. I'm like, wow, that's crazy. Never seen, never even thought about that. But it's the same way for you and I as fellow sheep of the Good Shepherd. Sometimes we have fallen. Kind of like that alert thing. I've fallen and I can't get up. Can you not help someone that has fallen away, that has left the fold? How many times you say, I haven't seen sister so-and-so or brother so-and-so in church in a long time. And that's as far as it gets. Have you called? Have you gone by to visit? Have you dropped a note in the mail? Or if you knew somebody was having a difficult time, would you at least reach out and try to help? Who can you help today? Who here today has fallen and needs a hand to get up? The shepherd sacrificed everything for you and me. I wonder this morning, what do we need to sacrifice for him? Is there something in your life that you might need to stop focusing on so that you can focus more on your relationship with the good shepherd? Last night, and I just, you know, you say, well, when did this sermon get ready? Well, uh, last night, um, some of you are not listening and not even following. Brenda and I went to a restaurant and... Uh, it's a Greek place. It's far more than what you want to know, but way too far to go. Anybody mad at the Lotus traffic right now? Let me just go ahead and turn up your... So it takes us like an hour to get there, and it was busy at 6.30. Well, I think we got there maybe pushing 7 by the time we got there. Uh, they were busy, and so we're waiting longer. Our Americans are terrible. If you go to Europe and, and you order food... You expect to wait. It's just like, you know, it's, your, it's, a, whole, it's a whole event to go out to eat. But um, after we'd waited about 25 minutes, and that was the first meal I'd had of the day, I was, I was about ready to eat the table. And Brenda uh, points out to me uh, the couples around us because we both had had our phones out momentarily and set them down. But we saw a couple there that uh, two younger children, both with iPads and mom and dad, both with iPhones, and everybody was focused on their electronic media. And I thought, yeah, we didn't raise them when we had that. And would we have had that? I don't know. But when the food came, bam, those things went away. They focused on the food. 
And when the good shepherd has called for you, it's time to stop focusing on everything else and focus on him. Maybe there's something you need to sacrifice in your life because it's not helping in your relationship with Jesus. Focus on the shepherd. Be obedient to him. And that's the last point. The shepherd's obedience. Multiple times Jesus says, I lay my life down. He lays it down freely. No one takes it from him. And only when he says in John 17, the time has come, does he allow himself to be taken. And allows himself to go through a mock trial and, and crucified for our sins. Why did he do that? His love for us. And I, you know, I, I'll take an answer if somebody throws one out. Verse 17 is the one, you know, Ed, what troubled me last week. In fact, there, there's, a, <clears throat> there's a style of preaching in that when you prepare your sermon, you should always look for trouble in the text. What troubles you? Perhaps it will trouble someone else. Therefore, you can ex try to explain that to them. Maybe you cannot get it explained. Verse 17 is what gave me trouble. The reason my father loves me is that I lay down my life only to take it up again. And all week long, I struggled with that verse. Does the father love him more because he is obedient? Those of you who have children, when they're disobedient, do you still love them? Sure you do. Well, if you, if you don't, don't put your hand up. <laughs> does the father love him only if he does what he wants him to do? We know, as you're paying attention to our Romans on Wednesday night, for God loved us while we were yet sinners. So he loves us in spite of ourselves. But what I think I kept failing to do was reading it. Cough is coming, sorry. <coughs> what I was failing to do was read it, as we often do, in context of this passage and remembering the entire book of John that Jesus has been building. John has been trying to explain who Jesus is from the beginning. He says, John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that who should ever believe in him should not perish but ever. He came to the world to do what he was about to do. God loves the son. Look at John 3, 35, where it stands alone outside of this context that I had my question in. The father, this is John 3, verse 35, the father loves the son and has placed everything in his hands. Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life, but whoever rejects the Son will not see life, for God's wrath remains on him. So, outside of this verse, we know that God loves the Son. Not just because he laid his life down. God loves the Son. God loves us. Jesus loves the Father. Jesus loves us. Jesus lays down his life because of his love for us. The good shepherd is obedient to the father. The father loves the son. The son loves the sheep. There are all types of videos I saw this week of uh, 
obedient sheep running towards the shepherd calling their name. And, and sheep do. Sheep recognize their shepherd's voice. You could go to YouTube and Google that. You'll find them all day long. And those of you, once again, if you have parents or you had a parent, my dad would whistle for me. I knew the whistle of my father. I could never whistle that way. He's really loud one. Didn't have to use fingers. He could just, you know, blow out a really loud whistle. And sometimes you will hear mom, dad, and you're immediately snap because you know that's your child calling for you. Uh, we have this dachshund that there's a love-hate relationship with him. He, I, and then somebody tells me, I think Spencer told me the other day, dachshunds can live to be 17 or 18 years old. The big question is who will outlive who? I had him now, I think this year makes his 10th year, but uh, he is an indoor dog. He goes outside. We've got a backyard. You know, he goes and does his business out there. But when we're taking the trash cans down on Sunday night, because we have about a 140-foot driveway, when we take them down the big hill and put the trash cans, we let Jack go out without the leash because otherwise when we walk the neighborhood, he's on a leash. And that 10-year-old dog with arthritic legs, that I mean, his if you ever had a a dachshund or a basset, you know, their legs often will do weird things. They come out like out of joint. That dog can outrun any one of you in the year. I mean, that dog is like, phew, you know, back. So I don't know what he's going to do when he's 17. But often he will stay right with us. The last three or four times we've gone out, he either sees a rabbit, smells something. I pray it's a skunk someday. I won't let him in the house, you know, but he, don't, he will not come back. He'll look at you, and you'll call him, Jack, Jack, and I get so mad. And uh, I guess maybe I'm more of a worrywart than Brenda, so I guess that shows you love-hate. I hate to leave him out there, especially when it's been so cold. Brenda's like, shut the garage door. He'll figure it out. <laughs> and about two weeks ago, we hear this noise in the And I said, oh, we left Jack out. It's, it's like Sunday night, you know, late at night, watching whatever we were on TV, and I said, I never let him in. I look over the kennel. He's not in the kennel. And I go to the front door, and he's not out there. And Brenda said, is he in the garage? How did he get in the garage when I shut the door? You know, would have shut it off. But he had been in the garage, and we finally went to him. And what's the point of that story? How frustrating it is for the shepherd for him to call you and you not be obedient and respond to him. How many times has he called your name? And you've stayed out too late. You've pursued something else that struck your fancy. You've run after the rabbit. I pray you get the skunk. And some of you have got the skunk by running after something other than the Lord. And that skunk stink gets on you and it's hard to get off. But he is the good shepherd. And he would still pick you up and hold you in his arms. And tend to your needs. The obedient sheep listen. The obedient sheep follow. The obedient sheep will sacrifice to, and the obedient sheep will come to the good shepherd. Let me get ready and close. I know we've, I, I want to have a time of invitation too, but um, our, our older boys, I think, were at the right age when the movie Babe came out. Remember the pig that could guard or herd the, the sheep? And uh, Farmer Hoggett, I think was his name, when he finally is done, he's, what does he say to the pig? That'll do, pig. 
and anew. I longed to hear the Lord say to me, that'll do, Cliff, insert your name. That'll do, Dan. That'll do, Bill. That'll do whatever your name is. By being obedient to the shepherd, by sacrificing as you need for the shepherd, you'll finally hear that. That'll do. Stand with me, please, we pray. Lord, as we come now to a time in this service of invitation, if there's someone here who's not been obedient, who has something perhaps that they need to give up, or perhaps have never come to know you as Lord and Savior, I pray that this would be the moment, Lord, that they would walk this short aisle. We can pray together. We'll ask Christ in their hearts and let him transform them. Let them feel the love and the nurture of the Good Shepherd. Maybe there's someone who just needs to come to these steps and pray. We have a prayer team that will join with them. Lord, whatever decision there is, we'll give you the glory. For we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.